Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Well, amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, church, for being here. Thank you, Pastor Bradley, for giving me the opportunity this morning to preach. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 16. I'll give you some time to turn there as I give some introductory thoughts. Um, five years ago, we put out this red binder. Most of you may have it. Most of you may have seen it. Um, this is my copy, but I'll have it over in the uh, Family Life Center if anyone wants to look over it. It's the last 150-year celebration that we've done, and we're now five years from there, and uh, we are celebrating 155 years at this Sulphur Springs Baptist Church at this uh, location. Um, not quite 155 years here, uh, but uh, as the book stated, as, uh, as I was reading through it this week, um, James Davis uh, started a, a front porch meeting just about 300 yards from the church here on the other side of these trees, I believe, and uh, he started a, a gathering of believers, and that gathering grew, and there was a time where they felt that we need to have an organization, a church, local church here, uh, and so 155 years ago, they planted Sulphur Springs Baptist Church um, at James Davis's log cabin there. Um, in that time, in 155 years, we have had, if my math is right, and I know some of our teenagers last night thought my math was off a little bit on some things. It can be at times, uh, but I counted up that we've had 20 senior pastors in our 155-year history. Uh, we've had, I think, six interims, and uh, we've had two associate pastors, and I'm blessed to be one of those two, and I counted a great honor this morning to be one of your associate pastors that you've had in this church. Uh, we've had a great heritage here at at Sulphur Springs. Uh, we've had innumerable salvations. Um, many, many of you were married here at Sulphur Springs. Uh, we've had babies born. We've got babies here today that were born. We did a baby dedication uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We've had baptisms. Uh, I, I, I could not tell you the number of baptisms, salvations, births. I, I could not tell you that number, uh, but I do know it's innumerable. Um, how many of you, just by, and I don't even have this in my notes, how many of you were born if you were born at Sulphur Springs Baptist Church or your family was here when you were born, stand up at this time. We've got some babies sitting up. I like that. That's good. All right. Awesome. That's good stuff. All right. Have a seat. Uh, and so we see here that we've got many, many births that were done here uh, at the church and have went through. Um, we've even had many, many, if you look over here to your, my left, your right, when you go out, uh, a graveyard with many, many saints who went on to be with glory. Um, who are now in heaven, most of them or some of them. And uh, we've got many that have been buried there. We've got another graveyard over at the Marshall's house with uh, dates that go back even predating our church. That is our church's graveyard. So we've got a great history and a great heritage here. And so today, as you see, we're going to be celebrating a godly heritage. And that's sort of the title I've given for the message this morning. Uh, but I'm thankful that God not only has promised that his blessing is today and it was yesterday, but we know that his promise is in the future. Uh, God said in his word that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can celebrate our past, we can celebrate the present, but we do have a future to look to. And so that's what we're going to discuss this morning, uh, as God allows this morning. And so thank you for your prayers. Many people have been praying for me, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to read a lengthier passage of scripture. I normally don't read 17 verses on a Sunday morning, uh, but I just couldn't get away from reading all of them. And so if you can help me out and stand, if you're willing and able, if you're not, I understand, but we're going to stand in the reading of God's word and we'll read the first 17 verses of chapter 16. 
and then we'll just discuss just a couple of them this morning. So let us begin reading in verse 1, and if you don't have your Bible, the words will be on the screen as well. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by the night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord your God, of the flock and the herd, in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name therein. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. Therewith even the bread of the affliction, for thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the days when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt, all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in, the coast, uh, in thy coast seven days. Neither shall there be anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at evening. Remain all night until the morning, that thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover with any, with any, within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there shall thou sacrifice a Passover at evening. And at the going down of the sun, and at the sun that thou comest forth out of Egypt. Verse 7, and thou shalt roast it and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And the Lord shall turn in the morning and go into his tents, in thy tents. Six days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh thou shalt be a solemn assembly unto the Lord thy God, and thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shall the number of thine unto thy begin, the number of seven weeks, from such a time as the beginning to put the sickle to begin uh, to the corn. Verse 10, and thou shalt keep the feast of the weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according to the Lord that the God has blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, and thy and thy sons and thy daughters and thy maidservants and thy maidenservants, and the Levi which is in the gates, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are there among you, in the place of the Lord that thy God has chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember the, that thou was a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the feast of the tabernacle seven days after that thou hast gathered in the corn and the wine. And thou shalt rejoice in the feast, and that thy son, and thy daughter, and thy maidservant, and thy maidenservants, the Levi, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, are all within thy gates. Seven days thou shalt keep the solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place of the Lord which thou hast chosen, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase, and all the works of thine hands, therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times a year thou shalt all the males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall be, give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Let us pray. Father, Lord, I pray that your word would go out at this time. Help me as I uh, have been given this thought this morning to, to preach, that this opportunity for me to preach, I pray that you would have your hand of blessing upon it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I was studying through this and trying to figure out what to preach on Homecoming Sunday, some of you have been in church your entire life. You've had heard most likely the entire Bible preached. You've, you've been seasoned saints. And, and I began to think, God, give me the thoughts when Pastor Bradley came and said, hey, I want you to preach. And so I began studying and I began thinking. And my mind went originally to, to John where Jesus was, was going through the Passover. But but then my mind even continued back further and further until I found the very first time in Scripture where Moses commands the children of Israel 
to actually have a festival to honor the Passover and what was to follow from there. And so I began to study this, and so much truth came out of it. And I wanted to read all 17 verses for the context of you this morning because there's so much symbolization that is done in these 17 verses. I'm only going to preach three of them, so we're not going to be here all day. I'm just as hungry as you are, and there's food right across the street, and I'm ready to get over there to eat your guys' delicious food uh, just as much as you are. So don't worry on time, but I want to just digest this a little bit before we go over there and eat some, some physical food. And so as we begin this study, as we begin this thought this morning, uh, the very first ber- verse opens up with Moses telling the children of Israel a specific thing to observe. And he says this, observe and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God. So the first thing we're going to look at is the Passover. And your notes are in your bulletin if you want to follow along. You, I've just got three bullet points and uh, it won't be long here this morning. But we want to look at verse 1, celebrating God's redemption in the past. Celebrating God's redemption in the past. This, this passage of scripture opens up with a beautiful symbol of unleavened bread. We celebrate this when we have our communion, and we do this in remembrance of God, but this was a time where they ate no leaven in their bread, no yeast. Okay? They didn't have the delicious rolls from Logan's Steakhouse. Okay? They didn't get to have the, the chocolate bread, as my kids call it, from Outback Steakhouse. Okay? It was flat, no leaven, dry as all get out, and it was a time that they were remembering where they were once at. And what God had done for them. This was a time of when they left Egypt and they were delivered from Egypt. And this Passover uh, was a commemoration of past events where God had brought salvation to the Jews. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. And they were oppressed as a generation. And God said, I want you to remember that. I don't want you to forget that. I don't want you to forget your past. I want you to remember those things. I want you to remember the salvation that I brought for you as you came out of Egypt. And as Christians, we have this awesome opportunity today to celebrate our past, to celebrate what God has done for us when Jesus came and saved our soul from hell. When we begin to partake of the baptism, and we had a baptism service just the other day, and we get to stand up here, and we get to make an outward profession of an inward faith, and we get to say, God, once I was lost and I was undone, but now I am standing before a body of believers, and I am professing to say that you are my Savior, and I am going to be buried in your baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. This is a time where we celebrate that, where we enjoy that next week. We're going to partake in communion, another time of celebration where we get to remember the body of God's son broken for us, his blood spilled out on a tree for us. These are symbols that we take and that we hold near and dear as Baptists, as believers that are holy and true to our faith, that we take as symbols to remind us what God has done for us because God does not want us to forget those things. Yes, they are in the past, but yes, we must remember those things. As I was studying through this, as I was thinking through this, uh, I like songs every morning. You know my routine. I like to listen to music, and on my way to, to work, I'm listening to music. And uh, I had already written this song down. And my wife this morning, as we're getting ready, and, and I had to hurry up and get up here to get some things set up, and she was saying a song, and I said, where did you hear that song at? I'm going to be talking about that the song this morning. I asked Mark to, to sing this song if he had it available, and he, they didn't, but it's an old song, and And it goes like this, I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. 
I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? Man, when we think of those songs and we listen to those songs that are so biblically based, when we've got Jesus, how could we want more? And the Bible says here, as we remember this redemption, Jesus has came and he has saved our soul just as he has taken a picture of salvation in the Old Testament with the Passover. And he's saying, how could you want more, children of Israel? How could you want more than what I've given you? I was thinking of a congregational song. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At where? At Calvary. With Jesus this morning, we have redemption. We've been pardoned from our sin. My mind went to an old Gaither song. Anybody here know Sue Dodgers? Sue Dodgers from the Gaithers? Oh, man. She used to sing a song like this. I never shall forget the day when all my burdens of my soul were rolled away. Because that's what it's about. It's about our sins being rolled away and our disgusting lifestyle being put to shame. Church, if, if you've been saved this morning and you know Jesus as your Savior, we should never get over it. As I was studying and writing this down, this thought came to my mind. I hate every sin that I've ever committed. And I've got a list that's longer than probably everybody in here of sin that I've committed. And we could stand here all day and share everything I've done wrong and everything that I'm ever going to do wrong. And it can be a horrible service. But I'm so thankful that the one that loves me, the God that forgave me of all my sins, makes me love him more when I think of that. When I think of the sins that I've done wrong and the people that I've hurt and my, my wife and my family that I've hurt with my actions and with my life sometimes, I'm thankful that God has forgiven me of those things so that I'm able to stand and say, God, you are great and you are good and you are holy. The question this morning, church, is do you know that for sure today? Are you someone who has believed in Jesus and saved you from your sins? Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you're struggling with a sin from the past. And I'm thankful, so thankful as I began studying these festivals. My mind took me to Isaiah chapter 1. And the whole book of Isaiah, is, is, it's like the gospel in the Old Testament. If you've never read Isaiah, read it, love it. But it starts out talking through some of these festivals. And in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 20, I shared this with Pastor Bradley this week. It talks about how Isaiah chapter 1 verse 20 talks about how our sins, though they are scarlet, they're going to be washed as white as snow. And for some reason, I thought, you know what, let me, let me study on this. And I listened to a couple of guys, and one guy said like this, one commentary said like this. In the Old Testament, we, we're able to go out today to Walmart or wherever you buy your clothes at, Belks, JCPenney, uh, some of these really expensive places that I don't let my wife shop at. Um, I don't even know the names of them. Uh, and so you're able to go out, you're just able to buy whatever color clothes you want. And so in order for them to get the color red, royal red, scarlet red in a fabric, they had to actually do what was called a double dyeing process in the Old Testament. They would take that white fabric and they would dip it in the dye and they would let it dry. And as it dried, it would turn a light shade of red or even a pink. And so to get that scarlet red... After a couple days of it drying, they would re-dye that, that fabric. They would put it back in the dye, they would let it reabsorb again, and they would hang it back up to dry, and it would get this scarlet red that was just this beautiful red color. It was so red that no chemical in that day could remove the red from that material. 
You see, today we have bleach and we have other things that can almost get colors out. And so, but in there, they didn't have that. So when Isaiah was writing on the words of the Lord and he said, though your skin sins be as scarlet, all of their minds went to a scarlet color clothing. It's going to be made white as snow. Every single person would have said, that's ludicrous. There is no way that you can take a red fabric that is this way and make it white. Impossible. And God said, what's impossible with man is possible with me. And I will take your sins that are red and that are stained and that no one can get anything out of, and I will make it as white as snow. And that's what Jesus is saying this morning. He's saying, though you may be sinned, though you may have done wrong, I am here to deliver you from your afflictions. That is what makes us love God more than we ever have in our life. So the first thing we want to celebrate is the Passover this morning. We want to celebrate our redemption in the past. But then we continue on this celebrating time as we continue through this verse. And in verse 10, he gives a second festival to celebrate. He says, you are to celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God with a free will offering that you will give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. So I wrote it like this. The Pentecost is celebrating God's reward in the present. God's reward in the present. We all have been given an amazing heritage. Thankful for my heritage, my dad, my stepmom, my brother, some of my family's here this morning. The heritage that God has given me, the heritage that God has given us as a church is blessed beyond measure to say it lightly. But we have a responsibility as well to give back a portion to the Lord. And when we celebrate, when we see this festival of weeks, it's mentioned several times in scripture. It's mentioned in, uh, in Jesus' day when Jesus talks about this. It's mentioned right here in Deuteronomy. It's mentioned in Exodus chapter 23 as the festival of harvest. It's mentioned in Numbers as the festival of the first fruits. And it's mentioned in Leviticus as the 50 days after the Passover. And so this celebration was a reminding to the Israel of an ongoing basis. Once they had this celebration of the Passover, that God said, I don't want you just to end there. I want you to continue to remember what I've done for you. I want you to continue over the next seven weeks, over the next 50 days, to continue to celebrate what God has done and what God is going to do as providing for them. This passage directs the children of Israel in three specific areas. The first, in verse 11, he says, I want you to rejoice. This isn't in your notes. You can write it down. In verse 11, it says this, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God. He's saying, when you celebrate this reward, this is not a time of just coming in, oh, well, the Lord's been good, amen. No, this is an exciting time. This is the time where God's saying, I have blessed you beyond measure. Uh, even in our worst days, we are blessed beyond measure because of what God has done for us. And he says, I want you to come in and I want you to rejoice for those things. Verse 10, he says this, the second thing, I want you to make an offering. I want you to give up something. I want you to give something that's valuable to you back to the Lord. He says, I want you to make a free will offering. It's not an offering that I command you to make 10 sacrifices of goats or come and give 35% of your money or, or give half of the house value that you have away. No, it's a free will offering of whatever you decide to give away. And what God is saying here to the Old Testament is different in the New Testament age, but in the Old Testament, he's saying, come and bring the offering that you see fit to the Lord, thanking him for what he's done for you thanking him for what God has given to us. And then the, the last one, he says this, don't forget the outcasts. Verse 12, and, and it mentions again later on, but he says, don't forget the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows, 
Too many times we rejoice and we're thankful for what God has done for us and we give this offering and we forget about the ones that are, are without. My son is on a, on a football team this year and it blew my mind this week as I was talking with our coach and beginning to, to, to discuss some things and I'm helping coach it and it's just a herding cats at eight and nine-year-old. It's, it's incredible. Don't ever, don't ever coach eight and nine-year-old football. It's horrible. Um, and so as we're, we're out there and I'm, I'm talking with the coach yesterday, we're talking about a couple of things, and he said the lady that's providing the the uniforms for our team, he said she just adopt. She's a grandma. She just adopted um, a, a young boy who's on the team, and he said there's a lot going on. He said she just fostered two more kids. She's running a daycare. She's just loving. She's helping out. She's serving the community. She's loving the fatherless. She's loving the widows. This is what God has commanded us to do, church, to reach out and to be a blessing in our community. Jesus taught it this way in the New Testament. When he taught his disciples to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. What, what we need in our everyday life, he's saying, God, this is what I need. I need this daily bread, and this is what Jesus is teaching us here. I, I thought about, again, as songs, as we think through music, the song, Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one. How often, church, are we actually naming our blessings one by one? We sing it. We raise our hand when we sing it. But are we actually now naming our blessings one by one? Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you for Brody. Thank you for Jade. Thank you for Hudson. Thank you for the house you've given us. Thank you for the land that you've given us. Are we beginning to actually get down on our hands and knees and say, God, thank you. Thanking him for what he's done in our present. What can you thank God for today? Our salvation. I wrote in a couple. Our family. Our faith family. Our church. Our jobs. Our income. Food on the table, a roof over our head, our nation, our salvation, our, our security as believers, our heritage in this church and to this community that goes on and on and on. And we could stand here all day and list the things that we could be thankful for. Are we doing that on a daily basis? Are we saying, God, I'm just so thankful for the reward that you've given me every single day? This was an intentional time where not only did they come and they celebrate a homecoming, and they celebrated that week. But for the next seven weeks, the children of Israel continued to dwell on what God was doing in their life. Which led to this thought of the tabernacle. And this one, it, it rocked my world this week when I began studying it. The tabernacle was this, celebrating God's refreshment in the future. Celebrating God's refreshment in the future. Verse 13, it says this. You are to celebrate the festival of booths for seven days when you have gathered in everything from your threshing floor or wine press. In other translations, it says festival of tabernacles. Some say huts. There's a couple of different translations. And, and I really like the one that says tabernacle the most because it brings into this thought of a tabernacle where we're going and we're dwelling. What happened here was this was a celebration of everything that had now come. You've celebrated the Passover. You celebrate the past and what God has done. You've celebrated the, the present, what God is doing right now. Well, now, as we all know, if, if anyone in here is a gardener, maybe has corn. I know Ms. Ellen gave us some amazing watermelons that we're going to eat here in a little bit. And I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's 50 pounds is this watermelon that I picked up out of her garden. Okay, it's huge. It's the biggest watermelon I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. And we're, I'm over there and we're getting it from her and, and there was she's probably 24, 25 watermelons in her garden. She had too many, so she gave some away. OK? 
Okay? How many times have you had too much of something and you gave something away? That's what this is referring to. It's saying now you have received this, this blessing and you're in the future and now you've, you've canned up your beans. You've gotten all your salsa ready for the winter. You, you, and now you've got all this leftover. And you're like, you know what? I can help out someone over here. I can be a blessing over here. But we've planned for the future. Okay? In, in southern terminology, this is your crops are laid up or your canning season's here. Okay? This is, this is, this is, he's talking to southerns. He's talking to us in the country here, and he's helping us to understand what's going on, but, but it went just further than laying up for the future. This is a celebration that was a physical celebration that I thought was mind-blowing because God challenged them and, and commanded them to do this. They were to move from their permanent homes. They had built in structures. They were now in the promised land. They're, they're enjoying the blessings of the Lord uh, they, remember, they had, they had went day by day, every day, walking outside, picking up their manna, picking up their quail for the day, coming back in, and that's all they had was Chick-fil-A sandwiches every day for the rest of their life while they were 40 years in the desert, okay? Krispy Kreme donuts and Chick-fil-A chicken, that's all they had, okay? And they ate that every single day. And on Saturday, they grabbed enough for Sunday, and the next week, they repeated it all over again. And God is saying, you know what? You're not like that anymore. You're in a promised land. You've got a dwelling place. You've got more crops than you know what to do with. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to leave your house for seven days. I want you to go out in the desert. I want you to live in a tent for seven days. Imagine that church. Okay, you're in your house. And God says, hey, for the next seven days, I don't want you to eat any leaven. I don't want you to eat any Chick-fil-A, any Krispy Kreme donuts. Put them away. Put away your Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I want you to go out and eat dry communion bread, bread for seven days in a tent. No more running water, no more power, no electricity. Live in a tent. I want you to remember where you were at to prepare yourself for the future. That's what he's saying here. And, and what, what a blessing this was to remember how great their harvest was and, and the future that God had done for them. And there are some advantages to, to this, but... But as I began thinking through this, and I began thinking through the children of Israel, I came across a passage in, in Exodus chapter 14 as I was studying this that, that just, I'd never read it before in my life. I, I've read Exodus 14, don't get me wrong. I've just never noticed it said like this. We know the children of Israel were walking in this wilderness for 40 years. And uh, there was a time where they had a cloud by day and a fire by night. Y'all remember that story from when you were in children's church and in Sunday school? And, and all of a sudden, this cloud by day and fire by night always was in front of them. And it was guiding the children of Israel. They knew where to go. They knew what was going on. For years and years, this had happened. They were under attack one day. And the cloud that was in front of them went from in front of them to behind them. Never seen it before. And my mind began to think, okay, why did this cloud go from, from guiding them? All of a sudden, it was guiding the children of Israel and all, all of a sudden, my mind hit me. It went from guiding them to guarding them. And sometimes, church, sometimes we get to the point where the future doesn't look like it used to. It used to look great. It used to look like everything was in control. And if I just did this, this, and this, everything was going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, God's cloud that was in front of us is no longer there. And we begin to question and say, God, where are you at? Why are you not here? And sometimes God says, you know what? I went from in front of you to behind you, to protect you. Something's coming up behind you. I need to be back there to protect you. And I don't know why I was led to say that this morning, but God put that on my heart. And, 
And I think that sometimes, church, even though we're going to the future, even though we can't dwell on the past and, and we're in the present, we've got to move forward to the future, why does sometimes the future, it's, it's unknowing and, and sometimes it can be anxious and God says, you know what, there are some, some principles here in this passage that can help you. The, the first one is this, he, he teaches us the importance of saving. He, he talks about as you begin through the threshing floor and you're saving up and in Proverbs it talks about the ants who are storing up for the winter because this is the application that can be made here. Okay, the, the second thing is the interest in our future is based on God's love and mercy for us. You think about the children of Israel who just came out of Egypt, who were celebrating this time coming out of Egypt, and they begin to think, man, God's love is great. His mercy is overwhelming. His mercy is so good to us, and they begin to dwell on those thoughts, but the other thought that I had here as we were reading through this, because every festival that you read, there's seven of them in the, in the Old Testament. Every festival is a looking to the appearance of Jesus coming back. And this one here is looking toward the appearing of Jesus on the cross and the empty grave and the abundant life that we ha now have. John 1.14 says it like this, The word of God became flesh and took up residence among us. We observe the glory and the glory of the one and the only Son, the Father, grace, full of grace and truth. My mind, I'm an, I'm an analogy guy. I like to think through these things. And as I was thinking through the children of Israel leaving their permanent dwelling and going to a tent, to live in a tent for a small period of time, this is what my mind went to. Jesus, the Son of God, in heaven, Everything that was ever created is worshiping him. Left his permanent dwelling. Ready, church? Came down to earth to dwell in a tent for a small period of time. He tented with us. He lived with us for a portion of time so that one day he could go back to that permanent dwelling and bring us with him. Church, that's us this morning. Jesus left glory. He took on flesh to provide a way for us to live in eternity with him. And he was so obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Deuteronomy continues on in this passage in verse 17. And, and I'm, I'm closing up. I'm watching the time here. Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, it says this. And everyone, and everyone must appear with a gift suited to his means according to the blessings that the Lord has given you. My question is this, church, what are you presenting to the Lord? What is it that God has blessed you with? What is it that God has given you that you're able to say, God, I want to give this portion back to you because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve these blessings. I don't deserve these, the, whatever it may be. You fill in the blank because it's, I love how it's said here. It's not everyone give the same gift. Let me read it again. Observe the Feast of the Tabernacle seven days. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Every man must give as he is able in proportion to the blessings of the Lord your God, which has given you. You yourself have been given a blessing. What is it that we're going to give back to God in the future? Romans 12, 1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Church, we've been given an amazing blessing as our musicians come. And as we begin to think through this, as we begin to think through our past, our present, and our future, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know the, 
the past redemption that was talked about. Maybe I've been in church my whole life. Maybe you're saying, Pastor James, I'm, I'm, I'm 80 years old, I'm 75 years old, I'm 60 years old, and I, I've been in church. I was born here at Sulphur Springs. And I've had a heart knowledge. I've had a head knowledge, but I've never had a heart knowledge of who God is. Church, we have a heritage that God has given us. And one day God will provide for us. We may not understand it right now, but God will provide for us a permanent dwelling place with him. What are we going to bring to him? A lot of people, it's going around social media right now that the Queen of England, when she passed away, right before she passed, the, the England church came in, the, one of the, the priests came and was ministering to her. It was actually a story about Queen Victoria, not Queen Elizabeth, and they're mixing it up a little bit. But this was what Queen Victoria said when, when she was on her deathbed, the, the, the priest came to her and she said, was talking about the second coming. And the priest said, she began to cry. She began to dwell up with tears and she began to say, I just hope the Lord comes back in my time. He said, why? He said, well, because I want to take this crown off my head and put it at his feet. Symbolically, what she's saying, church, I want to give my body to his service. Is that us this morning? Are we giving our body to the service of the Lord? I don't know what God's dealing with us today. I know I've dealt with this passage for the last two weeks, studying for it. It's been tough. It's been eye-opening for me. But, but church, this morning, we have a godly heritage. I hope that we don't forsake that. hope we don't forsake what God has given us. And I hope this morning, church, we will celebrate what God has done for us. The altars are going to be open. Mark's going to come and sing for us. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your blessings, for allowing me to be able to stand and present your word. I count it a great honor and a privilege every time I stand behind this desk. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.